Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. In this episode, I talk to Justin Kostelecki, owner of Grizzly House Forge in Utah, USA. We discuss the challenges of swordsmithing, how to handle disparities in stature, and his experience as a finalist on the hit TV show, Forged in Fire. The episode was recorded on Instagram Live, 22nd May, 2022. So, um, Justin Kostelecki of Grizzly House Forge in Utah, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Um, This is the first interview I've done in a little while, so it looks like a great day where you are. Yeah, it's really pretty out today. Really bright. So you're taking a a break from from the forge to come and have a chat with me. So um, I, I'd start out by asking you, Grizzly House Forge, how did the name come about? Um, yeah, so that name came about, a girl I was dating at the time was working in marketing, and she was helping me figure out a name for a business. And I just always kind of like bears, and grizzly bears in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just kind of came up like that, and... Uh, well, the house part, I suppose, because I originally intended on making, uh, like, blacksmith, you know, like, towel holders or oh, whatever. Oh, ironmongery type thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, still, I, I still like to make that stuff, but really, I just love swords so much, I can't not make them. So, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? I was, I was interested in the name because... I think very often it's a bit like when people come up with a band name. It's like the first thing you do is you've got to come up with a name kind of thing. Um, yeah. And uh, when people, uh, like I know a few people, like my friend Tomas Armera, he, he, um, he in Chile, he came up with a broken anvil forge armories and um i thought that's a cool name and then you go online and it turns out there's lots of people who've called uh, their their business broken anvil and uh another one is uh um rave raven heart um yeah. i've seen it comes up a lot so very often like you think oh that's a nice cool original name it sounds like turns out someone else has thought of it too but so far you haven't come across any other grizzly house forge uh, no Grizzly House Forges. There is a Grizzly House Pancakes in like Minnesota or something. Okay. <laughs> We're distant enough in our fields that there won't be any cross-contamination. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so I think you kind of answered my next question there, which is what came first, making swords or hitting people with swords? That's really hard to say. Uh, probably hitting people with swords because I grew up with a bunch of siblings. <laughs> I remember we used to run around with like wooden swords and hit each other. Yeah. Uh, when I was like eight years old, though, I found this piece of copper pipe in the garage, and I just watched like Conan the Barbarian or something, and I was like, "I'm gonna make a sword." So I took a hammer and I smashed this copper pipe flat, and uh, it wasn't a very good sword, but it was my first attempt. So, 
Oh, I've been wow. doing this for a long time, I suppose. The, the intent has been there for a while. So Conan yeah. is the inspiration, as well as uh, braining your siblings with, with pieces of copper pipe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you make wooden swords at any point? Yeah, we made wooden swords. Uh, I still make wooden swords, actually. Uh, oh. People like to buy them. Uh, they look pretty good now. Uh, the first ones I did... You know, you just get like a piece of one by two and drive a nail through it. And you just bend the nails over. So they're kind of like tech to see, but <laughs> we have to anyway. With added tetanus. Um, so when did you start? Uh, when you, you said that you used to run around uh, beating up your siblings with swords, uh, beating up each other with wooden swords, copper pipe swords. When did it become a hobby, a passion? Uh, Hema. When did you discover Hema, basically, or did you do something that sort of led to Hema? So I, I discovered the SCA first. Uh, mm -hmm. I did that when I was about eighteen. I did that for a couple of years, but it never, I never really quite fit the vibe for the SCA. Mm -hmm. And I didn't discover Hema until much later, uh, just like five years ago. And when I did, I was like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> it's really cool. I like all the nerdy stuff. I, I'm not very much into the reading, but I, I do like it. And then uh, Hema's is great. The community is great. I haven't met a sword person I don't like, really. Uh, yeah, I love it. So, and when, so you, you started out in the SCA. Um, I find, I don't know, I've had SCA folks sort of say to me, oh, you come and do it, come and do SCA with us kind of thing. And like, I've, I've fenced SCA folks, but I'm just not into all the pageantry and the dressing up and stuff. It doesn't appeal to me. Is that yeah. what kind of made you think, I don't really want to take it up? Yeah, so uh, the first event I went to was really cool. I went to the Great Western War in Chino, California, and I got to fight, and that was really fun. Like, it, the battlefield fighting is super fun. Mm. Uh, but the pageantry, and then there's always drama, and people are just kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's too much. It's too much. I just want to fight with swords. I want to play with swords. I want to talk about swords. I don't want to be, like, Ragnar Skull Splitter, you know, <laughs> so. I don't know. I think that, there, that I think every sword community has its drama. Um from what I hear, yeah. uh, having in, having interviewed people from you know SCA, uh, uh, Boha, and Hema, there's there's always some you can't you know have more than three people in a room without without some kind of political something or other. But um, I think some people just want to fight, uh, and some people like all the kind of other stuff that comes with it, don't they? And you know the great yeah. thing that there's there's something for everyone there's always you know if you want to really get into making costumes or you really want to sort of get into making swords there's something for everybody out there um oh yeah i, I don't think uh there's anything wrong with sca or boho or, or uh acl or anything like that i think they're great and if that's what you're into that's what you're into and i think like even like the star wars guys like i don't like star wars but like, even, like even those guys, guys you know like uh <laughs> Anybody who's like into into sword stuff, we should all be friends because we all like swords. At the end of the day, like that's kind of what brings us all together. I think so, absolutely, hundred percent. We're all one. We're all the sword community. Um, so you got into the SCA, then you later got into HEMA. Yeah. Uh, when did you kind of 
decide I really want to make Hema swords specifically? Um, so I had been blacksmithing uh, at the point uh, that I started Hema for about five or six years. Mm -hmm. and I hadn't quite made the sword yet. Um, but when I joined my Hema club, uh, the first thing I did is I tried to make a fetter. And it, it came out okay, but the heat treat was a little wonky and the guards weren't quite right. So it got retired after a couple months. But uh, that's when I started doing it. And uh, actually finding the fetters to be a lot harder to make than sharps. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, sharps take more time and you have to get more angles right and stuff. But the fetters, it's like, these are going to be hit against other steel a lot for, mm. you know. And they got a flex. It's a week, two hours a day or whatever. Um, so they need to be quite robust and also safe so they don't hurt your friends. Uh, I'm starting to nail them down pretty good, though, I think. So, um, yeah, so you, you you started out making feathers. Is that your specialism, or do you do all kinds of stuff? You, you know, you said you do sharps as well. Yeah. Um, is it is it mainly long swords that you make, or is, it, is there other stuff? Um, I'd say I mostly make, uh, like, messers and sacks. All right. Uh, arming swords. I, I do make long swords here and there. I really like to make sharps. Like that's my favorite thing to do. I don't know what it is about sharp swords; they're just really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like there is a need in the HEMA community for lighter, safer swords because mm -hmm. we keep coming out with these like pry bars of fetters, and you know they really hurt when you get hit with them. Like I'm a big guy, so it doesn't affect me so much. I know there's a lot of people in my club that are, you know, they're quite small and lithe and things, and I don't want to see them get hurt, and I want them to do HEMA too. So that's really what I've been kind of working on. Like, uh, so I've been working on this messer for Jana specifically. Oh, wow. Um, so I just got to do the fuller a little bit more and put a handle on it. But it's really quite light. I think it's right now it's probably like a pound, eight ounces, something like that. And once it tilts it up, it might be a little more. But Nice. So a uh, messer for Jana. So that's a commission, I take it. Or is yeah. that that you regularly make? Um, this is this would be my first sparring messer, but I do regularly make uh, do sacks. Okay. They've, they've been pretty popular so far. So. Awesome. And is is the forge is that your full time job or is there a day job as well? No, I have a day job as well. Uh, hard to make money full time as a blacksmith. Yeah. Um, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. So are you gradually working uh, your way towards doing it full-time in that case? Yeah. And, like, it's it's getting pretty wild. Uh, I have a commission list longer than I can keep up with. <laughs> really? And, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm asking, like, $800,000 for swords, and people are willing to pay it. So that's pretty cool. Um, everything's moving up on that end. So we've got a quick question here from Pirate Swordmaster. Is a Dusak just like a Cutlass? Do you want to answer that, Justin? Uh, yeah, so Dusaks are uh, pretty... I, I think they'd be a good Cutlass analog. So here's what I'm forging right now. It's still pretty rough. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just really simple. It has that knuckle bow. And they're just a training weapon that's a good analog for any sort of Cutlass hanger... Uh, messer anything sort of short and cutty with one edge yeah so 
I think they're cool. I think the Deuce Hacks are great. I like Deuce Hacks. Even another one they're super fun to play with. The only Deuce Hacks that you tend to see are the synthetics. Um, it's very rare in HEMA to see a steel Deuce Hack um, yeah. or anything like an original Deuce Hack. It's There's those purple heart uh, leather uh, with a sort of foam whalebone inserts and there's the uh, synthetic ones as well um, that people use but I have not seen um, or used a steel disac before uh, do yeah, you use so, those a lot in your training? Uh, yeah so we play Dusacs uh, there's quite a few steel Dusacs in the club now there's quite a few people at bottom mm -hmm. and everybody seems to really like them they tend to be really lightweight um, and they're just fun to swing around you know like yeah, they're really light and fast yeah. and short. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty safe and they're short too. And uh, like even being so short, like they get a pretty good degree of flex on them. Uh, oh, mostly because okay. of that floor, you know. I might have to add to your waiting list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do look cool. I'm going to have to get two, aren't I? Um, yeah, they work best in pairs for sure. Absolutely. Um, so just uh yeah he says thank you for answering my question um no so i'm just saying to the folks at home um in about 15 minutes um no, i just let that question in because it was on the on topic we were talking about the sack so in about 15 minutes um i'm going to give the floor to you folks at home if you've got any questions i saw that um emmett from ravenheart um uh, forge has just dropped in so if anyone's got any questions for justin about HEMA about uh, making swords, anything like that, uh, then do drop them in and we'll, we'll read them out um, and uh, Justin can have a go at answering those for you. I'm just going to go grab my notepad because I just realised I left it on the other side of the room. Um, so you, you make, this actually make long swords. Um, have you found that you've kind of over time, oh, sorry, how, where, how long have you been doing this, Justin? Um, I've been doing it about 12 years now. Oh, wow. Um, is that how long you've been training HEMA as well? Uh, no, I've only been training HEMA for five years. Okay. Uh, I think I think I started in 2017. Mm -hmm. Maybe 2016, I'm not sure. Yeah. But. So, um, you, you train at True Edge Academy, is that right? Yeah, True Edge Academy. And that's where you've always been since 2017? Mm-hmm. Mostly doing longsword and disact as well. Uh, as we yeah, um, lately I've picked up a real passion for dagger. Uh, I think dagger is super fun because it's like wrestling with dangerous, like danger sticks. Uh, <laughs> dangerous wrestling, yeah. Do you yeah, make I, I daggers think... as well? I'm sorry, what was that? I said, do you make daggers as well? Yeah, I do make daggers. Uh, they're pretty fun. I'm working yeah. on one right now, actually. Uh, going to be a bollock dagger oh nice and i was looking for the right piece of wood to do the handle out of so is uh, that a sharp or is that a training one yeah it's going to be a sharp uh it, it's kind of hard to tell but it's quite thick in the cross section probably like nice. three eighths of an inch at the base awesome um so i wanted to ask you um what is the biggest challenge you've experienced since you started uh, the forge? Hmm. Really, uh, 
what keeps my production kind of low right now is a lack of all the serious bladesmithy equipment. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of times where I'll be making a sword and I do it all by hand. Like, I just, not because I want to, I just don't have any other choice. So, like, I'll do files instead of, like, the big industrial grinders and stuff. Uh, we're working on getting one, though. Uh, my club actually started to go fund me for me. Yeah. To get me a big industrial grinder. I thought that was really cool. I don't know how much it's made. Uh, something like $1,500 or something. And I didn't ask them to do that. And they just they just did it. And that's great. Uh, I, I think I've got me. to plug this GoFundMe because we need to get you a grinder. Um, so do you know the URL for it? Or can um, you the link and I'll put it in the comments? Yeah, I could probably find it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can do it right now because I only have my phone to so see that. Biggest challenge is getting equipment. Like yeah, because um, yeah. it, it slows you down. Like um, the guy with this long sword here. This is the first one I ever made, and it's quite long. Mm -hmm. I, I had to do all that grinding by hand, and it took me probably in the neighborhood of like sixty hours. Oh God! Um, so it, it's like a real passion thing when I make a sword, right? Uh, yeah. It's a labor of love. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a... I think when you get something that's handmade like that, a little bit of the soul goes into it. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it cool. Absolutely. So, um, getting the right gear, getting your hands on uh, equipment is, is one of the biggest challenges because I imagine it's it's not cheap. And it yeah, Base yeah, well. it's super expensive, you know. Uh, and, like any of those big industrial sized tools, you know, like, like a cheap power hammer is like ten thousand dollars, right? Or uh, you know, like one of those big grinders, it's three to four thousand dollars. So, so we're almost done. So. We got to get Justin a new grinder, <laughs> and the website is GoFundMe, which is GoFund.me forward slash five four. B A D A D F. Bravo Alpha Delta Alpha Delta Foxtrot. Okay, so that's how we're going to get you a new grinder. Uh, we're going to have to send you some some dollars uh, so we can get more swords out of you. Um, and when you started making swords, um, I, I presume it was were you. Sorry, the timeline's a bit gone a bit wonky in my mind. You were in the SEA when you started making swords, or is it uh, when you started doing HEMA? Um, I didn't start making swords until I started doing HEMA. So, was uh, it, were, your, were your club mates kind of like your guinea pigs when you started making stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, e even today, uh, when I finish something, I'll bring it to them and I'll ask them, hey, what do you think about this? And the feedback's been really helpful. Uh, also, learning the sword fight has been really helpful. Uh, in making swords, because um, that's actually why I started HEMA, really, was so I could understand swords better, so I could make better yeah. swords. Um, the problem is, is I love HEMA so much, it's like, I'll never be able to quit it, so now I have to do both. Uh, that's not, that's okay, though. It's a bit addictive, isn't it? Because I, yeah. I, I thought I went to a HEMA class because I was going to write a fight scene. Because I was, I was writing a book at the time, and then I kind of got, I got into the sword fighting too much. You got into HEMA because you wanted to know how to make swords, and then you got into the fighting too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just so fun. 
uh, everybody's great. And we, you know, we fight hard and then we like, hug each other afterward and like, go eat burritos and it's a great time. So, yeah. um, where are we now? We've got about 10 more minutes and then we can start to, uh, take some questions from people. Now there's something that I wanted to ask you talking about your club mates and Jonna, who's just, um, commented about your uh gofundme link she's like four foot ten i'm five foot three you're what six foot five uh, yeah, i'm six three uh six, six four three. something like that. yeah so you're a, a tall tall person she's a she's not a little person and she's i think she said to me that you're one of her favorite people to fence in the club and yeah uh, she's always coming up and asking to spar uh yeah. so She's getting pretty good, too. Uh, she hasn't been doing HEMA for super long now, but she's getting pretty good now. She's getting fierce. Uh, <laughs> that's good. So I wanted to ask you, like, as a tall person fencing people um, who are, you know, more than a foot shorter than yourself, what advice do you have for people, whether they are very tall or, or very little, uh, about fighting someone with... Uh, when there's a big height difference between the two of you yeah so it, it's pretty scary to fight somebody with that big of a height difference yeah in either direction uh yeah. when if you're the tall person fighting a short person my advice is bend your knees and hold low guards uh we te we have a tendency to get all up here in longsword and be up here all the time and that's not good if they're like cutting you uh you know unter right so Bend your knees and hold low guards when you're fighting short people. And when, if you're a short person fighting a tall person, you should really try to make use of ox and cron a lot and keep your head covered. That's like, easy, right? Yeah, yeah. So your your oxes. Because uh, like when I'm fighting Jana, for example, I can't really hit her anywhere but the head because that's the only thing I can reasonably hit, right? Like an arm, maybe. Uh, yeah, so if you're short, hold the high guards, and if you're tall, bend your knees and hold the low guards. But yeah, the short fencers are super scary, though, because they'll come in and they'll wreck your shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're closer to hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, you know, you, you are literally, as a short fencer, you are literally fighting an uphill battle. You've got to fight against gravity towards someone who has the benefit of gravity on their side um who my experience of fencing a tall person when i started doing hema was they could hit me at will they could hit me any anywhere they wanted um, yeah and to get the same experience myself it was like when i did some buffer sparring with one of my kids when they were very little and i was like oh my god this is so easy it's this so easy to hit you know the kids and they, they, they don't know what they're doing but you know just the height difference it's like this is so easy to have like to, to hit someone who's a lot shorter than you um but another thing i think that i find that people who are very tall um sometimes not always are very wary of fighting smaller people because they're worried that they're gonna hurt them <laughs> you know yeah which uh... is a legitimate concern i think well it is uh for a long time uh, especially when i first started hema I had a tendency to hit too hard and I really had to train myself not to do that because I don't want to hurt my friends. Yeah. Not only am I very tall, I'm also just a very big man. I'm like 300 pounds right now. 
So I get a lot of force behind that sword. And uh, I I had to practice not hitting a pedal like a thousand times. That, so I, you know, I'd swing a sword and like, stop it. Quarter inch before I hit the thing, right? And I do that a lot. And now that I've done that, I don't have that fear of hurting people anymore. Like, it's almost become the opposite problem where I'm not committed enough to my attack uh, to break guards and whatnot, right? So there's a, there's a line there that's kind of hard to find, but I, I have confidence I'm going to find it pretty soon. I think that is a brilliant exercise uh, to do. I, Tristan Zukowski um, of NIFA, uh, New York Historical Fencing, he, he uh, I think that's the club he's with, he did a brilliant video where he showed doing a a cut with a long sword, just doing the cut, and then he showed cutting through a tatami mat, and then he showed stopping a cut. So that, yeah. that's what you just described, and all three use the same amount of energy. Yeah. So I think when people are, when people are big and strong, you have more control than someone who is small. So you know it's it that being able to stop a cut dead on the target is a huge, un, hugely underrated skill, um, and it's a necessary skill. I think if you're going to practice fencing safely with people, it's something that when I'm when I'm training beginners, I, I get them to do that exact exercise that you described. I get them to do that again and again and again, just stopping it dead, and then drawing the cut through, and then kind of blending the two together so that you can cut safely without you know, knocking someone's block off. Um, I think it's a really, the, the fact that you took the time out to train yourself to do that, I take my hat off to you because I don't think there's enough people that do. You know, on no, their I just felt really bad. Uh, well, one day I was sparring this girl, Mariah, and she's she's like 5'3", maybe 5'4", or something like that, like 100 pounds wet. And I just, I nailed her really hard with a thrust uh, to her mask. And like. It was, it was pretty hard, and I didn't mean to or anything, and I had quite a stiff sword at the time, too. Uh, so it really transferred a lot of energy to her. I felt so bad about it. I was like, I have to learn how to not hit people this hard. Because, like, honestly, I don't like getting hit hard either, right? Like, it hurts. Like, I just want to have a good time fighting the swords. I don't want to hurt my friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think control the most important thing to learn. And if you're, if, if you're a bigger person, you really have no excuse not to have the control. Because you're so much bigger than the sword, you should be able to control it with no problem. Yeah. Like, um, I think sometimes I think weaker people are more dangerous in a way with a sword because they don't have the stopping power. Um, yeah. That you know, it's like it's a bit like flicking a, a tea towel, flicking a towel at someone. It's that same kind of movement. If you're not strong enough to be able to control the blade, it can yeah. hurt a lot more. Um. But yeah, I think I think Marco Dinelli said to me, str strong people have no excuse. The kind of I don't my own, know my own strength kind of thing is a bit, you know, of a weak argument. If you'll excuse the pun, because the sword is like a toothpick in your hand compared to everybody else. It's it's it doesn't really weigh anything. So you know, control is is, is something that you're very very capable of. Um, Right, we're at half past the hour, so I'm going to go to the questions. That was a really good answer, Justin. I, I'm really, I really like that. Um, let's see what people have got to ask. Kenjutsu sparring 
Do you only work in steel? I recently found out you can hammer out different metals at different temperaments. I think it means temper temperaments or something. Do you only do steel or do you do other stuff? I think you mentioned that you do um, you do wood, I know you said, but do you use any other kind of metals when you're making swords? Uh, yeah, so I don't really forge any other types of metals other than iron and steel. Mm -hmm. I have experimented with it, but since my forges are set up to run iron and steel, it's hard to get that control on, say, something softer like copper or bronze. And every time I, I've tried to hammer like a brass piece or a bronze piece, I end up cracking it because uh, they're actually opposite of steel, where when they heat up and they cool down slowly, they get harder. And where All steel right. is heated up and cool it down fast and it gets harder. Uh, so they work harden quite quickly. So any, and I do use uh, brass and bronze and copper and stuff like that. Uh, but it's almost always stock removal. Or sometimes it'd be cold forging. Like I'll, I've cold forged copper before. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because it's so soft. You just have to anneal it once in a while. So cold, cold forging is just hammering the, the unheated metal. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's how like a silversmith would do it too. Uh, copper and silver actually have a very similar uh, property as far as the forging is concerned. So a lot of silversmiths will practice on copper. Um, I'm too scared to mess with silver. It's too expensive for me. Uh, I'll ruin it and then uh, I'll kick myself, right? So not going to make a silver sword then? No. I don't think it'd be a very good sword anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me do... I'm just going to see what the comments here. People have been saying stuff and I've just missed some of it. Uh, that's my buddy. Two of my favourite people, says Jonna. Um... Yeah, we answered the DSAC question already. Is there a training sword for Sabre and Cutler? Oh. So there's the training sword for Sabre and Cutler, so I got you. Okay. Um, Jonas says, I have one of Justin's daggers, and it's so stabby. Is that sharp? Yeah, it's a sharp. Uh, that one was kind of fun. Uh, I had these uh, antler rounds that come off you know, like a shed. So it's just a it's just a part that attaches to the skull directly. Mm. And I use those for the rondels. And it came out kinda of, looking kinda of weird. And I was like, it's still kinda of cool though. So I gave it to Jonna and she really liked it. Uh it's fun to stab stuff with it just really really pierces. It's just, it's just a spike really. It's a spike. A shank. Yeah. Uh Kenjutsu Sparring says, I know the feeling of having to hold back. Yeah, we were just talking about control. Um, oh, she's going to post a picture of it later. All right, we've got another question in here. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, you mentioned earlier when I said to you, Justin, yeah, I, I said, are you, are you nervous? And you said, oh, no, I've been on TV before. And I, and I didn't put two and two together but we've got a question here from Jonna and she says can you talk about your experience of forged in fire so you were on that famous tv show I think it's on the the history channel forged in fire where they makes where they make blades tell us about that okay uh I can't tell you too much because they did make me sign an NDA oh is it um, not been out yet no it, it's come out yeah um, I just don't know it's probably fine yeah so it was it was a fun time uh 
It, I was I really nervous. I'm sorry, what? I said, I don't want to get you in trouble. So, you know, no, no, the idea. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a fun time. Uh, most of the Smiths were really great. Um, the competition was really hard. Uh, there's all these tools that you're not familiar with and you have the time limits and, uh, it, it's just pretty nerve wracking really. And then you're on the set for like 14 hours a day or 12 hours or whatever it is. And you're, most of that time you just sit waiting, but they have a rule that you can't talk about the competition with the other Smiths. So like you don't really want to talk about anything but what you're doing. Right. So that was, that was probably the worst part. Uh, but I made it to the finals and I got to come to the home forge and that was pretty fun. Uh, there's a YouTube video of the last little bit of the home forge portion and the cutting and killing competition and stuff. That's how like 12 million views or something. So the comments are pretty cool. Sometimes they say I'm cute, which I always appreciate. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it is a good time. So you got to the final. Wow. How did yeah. that feel? I was, I was really stoked. Uh, I couldn't sleep at all the night before. Uh, because they fly you out there, and then they fly you back, and they fly you back again. And I couldn't sleep the night before the, my flight home because I was just up all night, like, drawing what uh, the Frankish drawing axe is and, like, how I'm going to do it, thinking about it. And before I knew it, it was, like, 4 a.m., and my, like, ride's coming at 6 to take me to the airport. And it is a pretty long day. And then I only had that from, like, 10 a.m. that next day till the next day before they start filming the home portion. So I had like eight hours to get everything prepared and done and I had no sleep. So I was super tired. It was pretty brutal. Uh, but it was a good time though. That's kind of like my first tournament experience too. I just didn't sleep at all and got too nervous, right? So. Oh, wow. So that yeah. was your first tournament on TV. <laughs> yeah. Got to the final. Amazing. And yeah. on that note, would you ever, you know, would you ever consider HEMA tournaments? Yeah, um, so I did uh, my first big HEMA tournament uh, last year at Combat Con in Vegas. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I had a lot of the same issues where I kind of get in my head when I'm in a tournament, like, and it kind of messes with me a little bit. Yeah. But I'm getting better at dealing with that. And uh, I fought Longsword and Single Stick. And Single Stick was a lot of fun. I, I never fought with a Single Stick before, so I didn't do very well. And then, uh, long short, I made it to the elimination round. Nice. And that that was real fun. I, I was a little disappointed to get eliminated so early because it was against a fencer that I had beaten two previous times in, like, smaller tournaments, like local ones. Uh, so I was a little disappointed to get eliminated by him, but, like, fair play to him. Uh, but I'm hoping to go again this year and hopefully do a little better. I want to come back with a medal just because, you know, like, why not win? So Combat Con is the one in Vegas, isn't it? In the in the hotel, yeah, all indoors. Yeah, it's all indoors, and uh, it, it's a good time. Uh, Vegas is kind of wild. I, I used to live in Vegas, so I don't have like the same wildness for it that other people do. But I mean, I was still gambling and drinking, having having a good time. I, I was <laughs> I was really stressed out prior to Combat Con with life stuff, and uh, getting to Vegas really did help uh, just blow off a whole bunch of steam and no small amount of money. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. I do it again. Holiday. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, Jana says the episode is Frankish throwing axes if anyone is interested. So um, just going back to Forged in Fire, what, before you went on the episode, did you know what you're going to be making or did they just randomly select what you're going to do? Uh, no, so they keep all of that secret. Um, so they don't tell you what kind of knife you're going to be making for your first round. They don't tell you your last round. Um, and none of the, so they have a person in there. They, they call her like the the Forge Mom. Her official job title is a Smith Wrangler. Because it's a TV set, and they need our reactions to be genuine. Like they'll be a like they have to escort you to the bathroom and things like that, so you don't like snoop and see anything. So it, it's kind of a wild experience, and uh, but they won't tell you anything, no matter how much you ask them. And uh, so when I walked out there, and I saw the host in like a barbecue or like, an apron, and there's a big barbecue girl, I was like. You want me to make a knife out of a fucking barbecue grill? Okay. So uh, that's what I did. And I barely got through that round, I feel like, by the skin of my teeth. Uh, but it is so a good time. make a knife from a barbecue grill? Yeah. Was that um, using the grill as the forge kind of thing, just to, to heat up the metal? Yeah, well, so it was like a big 50-gallon uh, like drum. I don't know if you've ever seen them like, on TV, like from the South or something, where they do like... Yeah. The grates and like the big pigs and stuff. So it was, it was like that kind of thing. Yeah. That they that they put together. There are different types of steels in there, uh, but you don't know what type of steel is what type of steel. So you had to do the metal testing to figure out. Okay, will this one hold an edge or did not? So it did require some forge welding, or you know, like a canister Damascus or something like that. Uh, that was no big deal. It, it was a good time. So when you um did the show where was it filmed because you said they had to fly you out so you're in utah where did they take you yeah so uh the show is filmed in connecticut and they flew me into newark new jersey i think or the newark airport oh. um, but back east all the states are really close together so it was like i don't know it's kind of weird because uh, i lived on the west my whole life and you could drive for like five hours and still be in the same state yeah and back east like that's halfway down the you know so it was all the way across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, when you, after appearing on TV, did you, did the interest in your, in your work peak? Yeah. As soon as they uh, released like the preview episode, I had a bunch of people like, Hey, I want to buy a knife. Or people I haven't talked to in like probably 20 years. Like, even, even today, like I'll get somebody I haven't talked to in a long time and they'll see my episode and they'll go, Oh, I used to, I go to high school with that guy, so I better call him or talk to him. <laughs> I've had a couple people like just randomly stop me, like I don't know them; they're complete strangers. They're like, hey, weren't you on TV that one time? I was like, yeah, that, that was the thing that happened. And it makes you feel a little uncomfortable sometimes, because it's like, I don't know you. <laughs> no, I, I had a, I had one person. Uh, she she actually really kind of creeped me out because she sent a picture of me uh, on the from the TV like. I'll be on the TV and she sent a picture. Is this you? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. And it turned out she was kind of like a, like, like a special needs kind of, kind of girl. And she just really liked the show. So I, I spent a little while talking to her and that was really cool. Um, but initially I was like, man, that's kind of creepy. Uh, <laughs> she was just checking. Is this really you? Yeah. <laughs> or am I imagining it's you? Yeah. Cause I, I had never met, uh, you know, because I'd never met her or anything. She, so she just kind of looked me up on Facebook or whatever. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of cool. Uh, so you're a local celebrity now. Yeah. Yeah. 
my, my in-laws will come up and uh, be like, oh, the TV star is here or whatever. Um, it wasn't really that big of a deal, but... Has there been any more TV interest since? Um, on my end, like, I'd do it again or yeah. do another show like that. Um, at the time, I said no because I was so stressed out from the whole thing. Cause it was, yeah. It was all very nerve-wracking. I was very nervous. And it does sound like it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, it was, it was pretty exhausting. Um, but, like, at, like, a week after that, I was like, oh, man, that was super fun. Like, I want, so, I want to do something that intense again, so... Yeah, I'd do it again. It'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, on the plus side, you know, you get all the equipment, the stuff that you were saying earlier that's so hard to get hold of. You've got your hands uh, on yeah. all the stuff you need and you're being asked to make a really outlandish things um, in weird circumstances. Yeah. Um, it sounds pretty wild. Um, it, when you're saying about people from high school suddenly sort of coming out of the woodwork, I think, who was it? Like actors, and I'm not trying to sort of, you know, draw that kind of comparison, but they say that people from your past don't 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 come uh, out of the woodwork until you get an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like if you're a bladesmith, people from your past don't appear until you're on Forged in Fire. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because I have people I hadn't talked to in like you know over ten years, fifteen years, and they just, uh, hey man, how you doing? Like I saw you on TV the other day. It's like, oh yeah, that was cool. How you doing? You know. Yeah. It's wild. Like, you don't really care. You haven't talked to these people. They haven't <laughs> talked to you. <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot of water is passed under the bridge. Um, so um, my final question, um, if anyone else has got anything they want to ask uh, Justin, please do go ahead. But I'm just going to throw this one in, which is what is your favorite thing about bladesmithing? Hmm. Well, it's always kind of a bit of a journey. Uh, when I start out, I usually have like a vague idea of what I want to do. Um, but I never know how I'm going to finish it. Mm. And some, and it, it's almost like magic in a way. Cause you're just hitting this like red hot piece of metal with a hammer until it looks like a sword. And uh, it doesn't always go quite as you planned it. Uh, I'm getting a lot better at making it go as I planned it now. Um, but even then, like, sometimes I get like, little weird inspiration. Like, this is what I just kind of finished up. And I did, like, these little, uh, like, little pips on the end huh? here. So little dice. And I, I don't know where that came from. I didn't plan to do that. <laughs> this, one's, this one's pretty fun. Like, little Type 14. Uh, nice. So is that an arming sword? Yeah, it's an arming sword. Uh with little, it's, like, dice finials. Yeah, I don't know how well you could see them. That's so cool. But... So we got yeah, an I, arming sword with little uh, dice uh, little dice on the ends. Which yeah. Which got numbers on as well. We've got dots on. Yeah, I put the little dots in there. I, I missed on one of them, but it's okay. I'm going to keep the sword, so... <laughs> so uh, that's for you. Yeah. Um, I was originally going to sell it, but I liked it so much that I just wanted to keep it. It came in at two pounds, like on the dot, and its point of balance is like six inches out from the cross, so it has quite a lot of booty going forward. But uh, it cut super well. Um, yeah, it looks like it would cut well. It's it, it's pretty fun to cut with. So your favorite thing about about bladesmithing is 
just the journey from lump of metal to magically turning into a sword. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool process. Uh, sometimes it's very tedious, like any of the grinding or polishing. I don't really enjoy those steps, which is kind of sad because those are the longest part of the blade making process. Yeah. I don't think people really like it. They like get into the zone and it's like meditative for them. Like I hate every second of it, but um, <laughs> I really like the forging and I like, I like putting the handles on and I like using them afterwards. So it all, make, it, it's all worth it in the end, but that like, big chunk of time of grinding. I hate it. I, hate so. I, I it's only when I did the C, I did a series on, bladesmiths um earlier uh, about a year ago so i was just interviewing bladesmiths and it was only through talking to these people that i realized i didn't know this obviously you go folks know that the the you spend like you just said the most time spent in making a sword is the polishing and the grinding um, yeah the the you know the forging and putting the furniture on is like the bookends of that of that process so the, the most of it is like you said that first sword you made was like 60 hours of of grinding um, yeah and people say like oh yeah you get in the zone and all the rest of it but it is long and it's tedious and i guess yeah i i, I never get in this like once in a while if i have like some good music going I, I could i could lose an hour or two in there but most of the time i'm just just slogging away yeah like embracing the suck. uh you should listen to a podcast i know one you can listen to yeah, I, actually, I, I do listen to your podcasts. Uh, I, I like the Children's Mental Health podcast. I think that one's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the, 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 the magical process. We've got another question just popped up in the box. Let's have a look. Aha. Uh, uh -huh. It's hot. So this is from my fellow countryman, Kunjutsu Sparring. He's also in the UK. He says it's hot where you are in Utah, USA. How much does that factor into the forging process? Uh, I can see you're in your little um, porch there. When it gets really yeah. hot, what happens? Well, so in the summer, it gets pretty brutal. Um, so my shop is in my garage. It's, it's on insulated. It's on heated. Um, in the winter, it's great because it gets quite cold in the winter, and that heats up the that heats up the shop if I forge a lot. Hmm. So I do a lot more forging in the winter. Um, come around June, July, uh, like when I was filming for Forge and Fire, uh, I was doing it in July, and it was like ten hour days in the forge, um, and I had tools in there that like I had used for like four hours, and they were still too hot to pick up because wow. it just got too hot for. Uh, running the forge that long uh drink a lot of water I need to keep working. Uh, <laughs> do it in the winter and drink a lot of water there's your answer okay so um that just leaves me to say justin costalecki of grizzly house forge thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences and your knowledge with us yeah thanks for having me it was a good time all right take care bye bye we hope you enjoyed this podcast to show your appreciation please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen go to at swordwomen on instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events.
or visit our Facebook page, By the Sword. <laughs>